You guys ready for the word? Good, good, good. Hey, Pastor Gary is going to preach today. Pastor Gary, come on up. Give it up for Pastor Gary. There she is. That is my grandma, Margaret House Atwood. And uh, she's a very special lady in my life. And you'll understand that in just a few moments why. But summarizing it, it's very simply this. She prayed for her family. We have enjoyed the blessing of that in our family for many years now. Grandma passed away back in the late 50s. And uh, so for 60 years, she has not seen physically the manifestation of the fulfillment of her prayers. But there has been a fulfillment of her prayers. And they have made a difference in our family. As you'll see in the next picture there, that it shares just about the reality of her kids. Yeah, you can see it's a little dated, obviously, okay? Uh, Hairstyles, clothes, so forth. One of the guys looking a little bit like Hitler and all. But anyway... uh, One of my uncles, that's not my dad. (laughs) But uh, God began to bless. Four out of the seven became pastors. And then their children became pastors, missionaries, uh, worship leaders, uh, youth pastors. Until now, we have accumulated close to 600 years of combined ministry in the house family. That is because a woman believed her prayers made a difference. And she prayed, and she prayed, and she prayed. It was, I was likely somewhere around um, five or so, and we had got to go over to Grandma's, and uh, we are going to have a meal with her and some of the other family and all, it was all going to gather. So I was very eager to get there. Grandma was a grandma, okay? I mean, she's just... Everything you could imagine about possibly and hopefully maybe you experienced in your own life. I pray you did. But uh, my grandma was a very special lady. And I came into the house at, at a young, that young age looking for her, wanting to find her. And, of course, you know, when you're five and six years old around there, there's no, hole bar, no holes barred. You know, you can go wherever you want to, at least you think. And so I ended up looking all around the house, couldn't find her, couldn't find her. Finally, I saw her bedroom, and then I opened up the door, and I walked in, and all. And Grandma's, for some reason, is on her knees next to her bed. And, and of course, I said, Grandma! And she turned around and looked at me, and she said, Gary Ray, Grandma is praying right now. You need to go out. And I'll see you later. To say I was embarrassed, frustrated, and upset, and thinking I'd let her down, and I walked out very sheepishly like a little kid would, you know, like I've just gotten spanked royally, you know, or something. And so I walked on out, came out. Soon after that, Grandma got up, got out, came on out. She headed straight for me. And as she came up to me, she gave me a big hug, and she said, Gary, do you know what I was doing? I said, no. I mean, clueless, okay? Uh, But uh, she says, I was praying, 
And you know who I was praying for? She says, I was praying for you. I knew grandma didn't just pray for me. She prayed for her family, her kids that we just had up there, and her grandkids, and her great-grandkids, and her great-great-grandkids. That's what she prayed for. And she believed that as she prayed, there would be a difference made in their lives, not only knowing Jesus as Savior and Lord, but fulfilling the purpose and plan of God for their lives. So in her prayers, her prayers were spoken words of prophetic significance in what she did. And she began to prophesy in prayer over us, though she never saw most of it fulfilled. As Pastor Caleb was sharing with us last week, there are times where we begin to stand in faith and proclaim and do things in the name of the Lord because we believe that it is the right thing to do. And as we do so, we may not see it with our physical eyes, much the same as we heard about Abraham last week, that we began to realize he didn't see billions and billions in the sands of the seas fulfilled as far as his lineage. Of course, how could he at 100 already? You know, but anyway, you know, he did not see that fulfilled, but it was fulfilled. And it was accomplished. And there are times in us where we begin to proclaim things that we may not see the full fulfillment of those things, but that doesn't mean you don't continue to stand in faith because God is faithful. I think we sang something about that this morning. You know, he's faithful. We proclaimed that and we said it. By the way, do you realize that, uh, I don't know if we, do you have that song that we can put up the first verse to that again? You are good. If you do, fine, you can just put it up when you're ready. But in that song, in that verse, first verse that we sang, that you're good, yeah, just the first verse if you can. And, uh, but we began to sing that. It's a very strong, let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run. Do you realize how prophetic that is? That's where I'm running to. I'm running to God. And we begin to recognize that in the next line, if you would, uh, that the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Is he? Now, you just sang that. Okay? You were prophetically singing a song that maybe you didn't realize in your head, but there was a reality to what you're proclaiming and saying, you're my song. You're my mountain. I run to you. You're the one I go to. That's prophetic worship in that sense. And, uh, you know, don't worry about the fact you may have been sitting there saying, well, Gary, to be honest with you, I'm just kind of standing here and just singing the songs and all. Begin to realize the fact that as you're letting that worship tend into your life, maybe you do it like we often do in our home, where we just have worship music going on in the house or in the car and so forth. Um, And we just have it going constantly throughout. You can get to YouTube and find ones that are live feeds and all that, and they'll go on for almost ever and uh, so forth. But we begin to, and often walk through the house as we're doing so and begin to catch some of the song that's being sung, and then we begin to join in. What you're doing is you're stepping into something that you're making a prophetic statement about your future and about your life right now and your trust and your faith in Almighty God. Well, it brings us to our scripture this morning, which is Hebrews chapter 11. And 
it's an interesting portion of scripture that uh, shouldn't, we should be done at least by one and uh, kind of get it done that way. No, I'm teasing, I think. Um, but in verse 17 of Hebrews chapter 11, it says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac of a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Verse 20, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instruction about his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Father, would you add your blessing to your word and more importantly, Lord, to our hearts, that not only do we hear words, but we hear your spirit speaking into our very being and allowing us to experience freshly the reality of what you want to do in our lives, in the present, in the now, in our circumstance. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. In these few short verses, we have about 20 different people directly impacted by what's spoken. Indirectly and more exponentially, there's billions of people affected by these words. Our words have a very definite power within them that we speak. And as many of you know the verse from Proverbs, of they either contain life or death. It's in the power of the tongue. And our, our words have a definite reality of importance in what is spoken forth. And when we, whether we speak something that brings life into circumstances or into us or into the people around us, or we speak death-dealing things that begin to bring about a destructive force that will cause ruin and destruction within their lives. We have that choice. And I'm sure that we have uh, said things at times that we wish, uh, I wish I could retract that. And it's like, it's already out there. You know, it's like Facebook. Post it. Oh, I'm going to take it down. You took it down. But that doesn't mean the 20 other people that already reposted it and all did, didn't. And it's out there. Yay. Huh. Yeah. But you know, in our lives, there's things that we do. And let me talk for a moment with you parents and grandparents and uh, share a couple things with you that I just felt like the Lord spoke into my heart is be very careful the words you begin to speak over your children and your grandchildren. You know, I, I don't know if any of you ever experienced this. I pray you did not, but my, my experience tells me that there's likely some at least if not many that did experience these kind of words spoken over their lives. You're really stupid. You're worthless. You're not going to amount to anything. You won't get anything accomplished. You won't go anywhere with your life. 
You won't be that, or you're fat. You're ugly. You got to do something with whatever part of your body that needs to be reconfigured in some way or another as though we could do that. You know, we, we sometimes, even as parents, we really enjoy that wonderful first year with our children, you know, as they're bored and they're so cute and they make little sounds that are so, they're irritating when they're teenagers. But uh, as they're one year old, they, oh, it's so cute, so wonderful. But then we approach year two. And what do we do? We start talking about and saying, oh, the terrible twos are here. Think about that. What did you just speak? You know, you, you just spoke a message, a prophetic word over your children and over your experience and your reaction to your children. And you've just caused a curse over you and your child. Say, wow, Gary, you're getting kind of, getting really jumping on my t- feet real quick. No, I'm not trying to jump on your feet. I'm trying to help emphasize a point for us to understand that what we say has great bearing upon what we see as results into our lives. And we begin to begin to realize that what I speak out of my, over my children makes a difference. Now, do they do stupid things? Yeah. Do they do awkward things? Yes. Do they do some things that just are mistakes? Yes, they do all those things. But how we begin to frame them and how we begin to identify them will shape them as to how they move into their future as well. So let me encourage you to guard those things. You say, well, Gary, you know, honestly, I've already blown it. Then ask God for redemption. Repent for it. Just say, Lord, I realize now that was some things I spoke over my children I shouldn't have said. Lord, would you forgive me? And then you begin to pray, Lord, would you redeem this and redeem out of it? See, sometimes we think that if something's been done wrong, it's hopeless, totally, even for God. Because God's only God. So how could God redeem something that I blew? Because that's what he does. He does that for a living. And if you allow him, he'll bring that redemption over your life and over your family as well. Don't give up with your children. Grandma did not give up on her children till the point she died. Her oldest son, who's pictured on the right as you're looking at it, he was not saved until he was 81 years old. Did grandma's prayers have an effect? Yes. Were they long-reaching? Yes. Did they make an impact into his life? Yes. And when he got saved, he got saved. He got dunked in water. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. He was on fire for the Lord, and he lived for another six or seven years and all loving the Lord, regretting that he had not done it sooner, but grateful that God's forgiveness was available to him now in his life. Grandma didn't see that. Unless, you know, my imagination, I can't prove this. My imagination is somehow she knew it in some kind of a window that's in heaven that she could look down and say, yes, yes. But however that occurred, she knows now because he's up there. But uh, for sure. But the grandma's prayers were answered because she believed God was God. What do you believe about your prayers? What do you believe about your words that you speak forth? 
looking at these different characters in the scripture here. Oh, let me mention one other thing. And forgive me, this is going to sound a little bit harsh, maybe to some of you. But let me encourage you, if you still have the opportunity and all, which looking over the audience, there's maybe few of you that do yet. But take consideration and prayerfully consider what you name your children. You don't have to, you only have to do a cursive study in the Bible to look at some of the names and then look up some of the meanings. They ain't nice. They're not pretty. And let me encourage you that be careful the naming of your children. Now, you're not going to go to heaven or hell over it. Okay, so don't get, ah, I blew it already type of thing. No. But begin to, begin to recognize that our, the names we begin to use, and even for one another. And we're very careful about it because they have prophetic impact. About what we will rise to do or not do and how we begin to go. Say, well, Gary, you know, it's already too late. My kids are already adults and so forth. Okay, fine. Then pray that God, any impact that a name has brought over my child, begin, I begin to cancel any negative effect that has in the name of Jesus and want to rise up with a newness of a name that you give for that person that they will become the fullness of what you intend for them to be. Listen, as I said, God's a redeemer. Sometimes we get despondent because we feel like, oh, man, I blew it. It's all uh, over with. I just can't do anything. And, and I was so bad. And why didn't, you know, get over it. Yeah. <clears throat> or as the infamous psychologist uh, Bob Newhart once said to a counselee that came in and uh, he came in, she came in and uh, and he said, well, that'll just be $5. And uh, she said, $5? Is that all? Yeah, yeah. Well, how long do you think the session is going to be? Well, it usually is only about five minutes, and we're done. So he said, what is your problem? So she named it, brought it all out, so forth. He says, okay, <clears throat> I've got two words for you. It's very simple. And uh, she, she'll get it, notepad out, and write it down. Well, no, I think you'll remember it. I think you'll get it. I think you'll get it, no problem. And she comes along, he says, are you ready? She says, yeah, I'm ready. What is it? And he turns to her and kind of leans over the desk a little bit and says, stop it! <laughs> you know, sometimes we feel as though, you know, I, I've got to go through some laborious thing with God, uh, some means of repentance and, and pen, penance, uh, before the Lord, before God, I will rate enough worthiness for God to forgive me. Listen, none of us are worthy and you'll never get there. Okay? So get over it. Come to Jesus and let him forgive you and let him cleanse you and let him set you on a fresh course in his purpose and his plan and his future. Because that's what his desire is. So these dear people, they came along. And there's prophetic words, because what we're talking about is seeing the invisible, the way of prophecy this morning. And we wanting to begin to realize that there is a pathway as we begin to see into the impossible of things that we prophetically speak forth out of that context, because we believe it'll make an impact in your circumstance. By the way, 
One of the other apps to this that we need to make for our lives is for your work. Oh, work is so hard. The people I have to work with is so difficult. They're just, they're impossible. And my boss, oh, man. Okay, enough said, huh? All right. Your laugh helps indicate to me that you understand. All right. But look at these different people in the scripture here. Number one is Isaac, who came along, or actually Abraham, about Isaac. He was the child of promise. And now God tells him, take your child, your only child, and take him up to the mountain here, and I want you to sacrifice him to me. What? Is anybody else up there? You know, I just kind of, you know, the, when God calls you to do something extreme, yep. you know, it's, it's hard for us to be able to step out and believe that God is really leading us. But he, here he was. What does Abraham do with all of that? He comes along, gets the, his son ready, gets the wood, gets the fire, gets the uh, sacrifice, and they begin to go on up. Excuse me. And they, they have the wood and the fire, and they get going on the up. I love the simple little statement made in Genesis where Abraham turns to his servants who had come with him and said, hey, you guys hang out here. This is my translation. Uh, you guys hang out here, and we'll be back in a little while. Now think about that. We'll be back. But I got to go kill my son. Okay, so they go on up the mountain. You, most of you know the story. They've gone up in there. God provides a ram in the thicket behind them and uh, speaks to him, says, you know, I, I know that you trust in me. But in Hebrews here, it tells us the context of Abraham's thinking in the midst of this. And that was that he says, God, if I have to go ahead and kill my son, then you have to resurrect him. Whoa, am I, able to, am I ready to walk in that? It's pretty heavy duty. And you begin to see that's the child of promise. So it's either one or the other. Either God keeps him alive or he resurrects him because that's the child of promise that God said. Do we hang on God's word that way? Do we hold on to that in our lives? We say, I don't care what happens. I don't care what's going on around me. I believe God, and God is able to fulfill what he says he will do, period. No question mark, no ifs, ands, or buts. God is God, and he will do what he says he'll do. That's what you hang on to. And so the child of promise, as far as Abraham was concerned, was always the child of promise. No matter whether he seemed to have to do extreme things or not. When we come to Isaac, he comes and he begins to bless Jacob and Esau. Now, sometimes we look at that and we say, we focus on Jacob and say, oh, well, you know, Isaac blessed Jacob. Yes, he did, but he also blessed Esau, his sons. He blessed them both. And he blessed them regarding their future and what their future was going to be all about. Can I suggest something to you to consider? As parents and grandparents, and maybe some of you great-grandparents, let me offer a thought to you of beginning to come along and start developing some kind of 
written thing or recorded or what have you statement that you want to leave behind when you go to be with Jesus that will speak life long after your death into your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren? What kind of written legacy are you going to leave behind for them to ponder and consider about what you see God wanting to do into their lives and into their future? Begin to develop that and let the Holy Spirit begin to give you the words that you would frame to put together. And all. what does it look like? You ask the Holy Spirit. He's smart enough. He's much smarter than I am to tell you how to do it. And he knows you better, as well as your children and others and your family. <clears throat> Jacob came along, Scripture says here, and he blessed his children. Now, they only include in this Genesis 49. You can find it in there. It's lengthy and all, but it's worth a read because you begin to see how Jacob began to frame what he sensed the Lord was saying for each one of his children. Plus, it included Manasseh and Ephraim, as well as Reuben and Simeon and Levi and Judah, Zebulun, Issachar, Dan, Gad, Naphtali, Joseph, and Benjamin. And so there begins to be an amplification as Jacob, you know, I've often thought about that chapter and I thought, whoa. I would have been ready to die when I was got done with all those people anyway, too, as well. But, uh, but he begins to speak a blessing over his children and grandchildren. What do we do with our children and our grandchildren? I just wish they'd get it together. Shoot. Man, I raised them better than that. I know I did. How do we speak blessing over our families? And bless them in the name of the Lord. We often talk about the waywardness of somebody or so-and-so is a prodigal or whatever other terms we might use. What if we begin to turn that around and begin to speak words of life over them and upon them? Could it be that the Lord will take those things and begin to work and massage them into their hearts and they begin to make a change and respond to the Spirit of God drawing them to himself? Because we're standing in faith for life to come forth into them and what the Lord would have done. Joseph is an interesting man. He comes along and he says, hey guys, he's nearing his death. <clears throat> and he says, when you guys leave, now when you go through the scripture, you find that that's approximately 350, 360 years after Joseph passes away, okay, before they leave Egypt. So this is kind of long range. He's not going to see it. He won't be aware of it. He won't know what they do with these bones or don't do with these bones. But he's coming along at this point and he's saying, guys, when you leave Egypt, take my bones with you because I want them buried in our family uh, land that God has given to us as a family. That's where I want to be buried. As I looked at that and I thought, Lord, what's my faith in the long run and where I want my faith to be in my walk with the Lord? That I begin to shape what is spoken and said now that will make a difference in the future and what's going on. Can you imagine all those people that came along and they left Egypt? They didn't know Joseph. 
so you have verbal communication being carried down from one generation to another, to another, to another, to another for over 300 years. And this verbal communication comes down and says, oh, yeah, don't forget the bones. Okay, we got to take the bones with us and go bury them, you know, in the homeland. You know, this is what we've got to do. And they fulfill those things. How do you know what the words that you've spoken or the words that you leave behind on your behalf as a Christian and as a believer in Jesus Christ will have upon other generations that follow you. I'm standing here because a grandma prayed and she believed that God's blessing could be passed on to the third and fourth generations, that she would not see most of them, but she believed that and she died believing that. And the impact of that, not only in my life, but upon my generation, as well as the generation that followed my generation into our family, whereby God has blessed and multiplied the effect of a lady that believed God answered prayer. He, she believed that. And finally, the last one in here is Moses. And Moses, it's an interesting thing in here, and I like that Pastor Tim used the NIV translation because it uses the phrase in there that it says that his parents realized that he was no ordinary child. Now, some of us might look at that and say, I got that right. Yeah, that's where my child is, but we don't always mean it positively. But anyway, you know. But it caused them not only to believe that, but also to refuse to be afraid of the king's edict. Now, I'm not going to pose to us how we need to rebel against the government, okay, this morning, so don't get nervous too much, and all that's not where I'm going to go. But I do want us to recognize that there was a difference between what God had said and what God was inspiring versus what man was inspiring. And when Moses' parents began to realize this is, there's something about this kid. May not put my finger on it, maybe I can't identify it fully, but there's something unique about this child. Maybe in our terms, we might phrase it and say, I think there's a call of God upon this child's life. And I don't know what it will look like, I don't know where it will take him, but God's hand is on this child. Therefore, whatever we need to do to help this child accomplish his given goals into his future, we'll do. And if that means we have to refuse to obey the king's edict, which was to kill all the babies at that time. Okay? So in other words, they're saying we're not killing this child. Or Aaron or Miriam. We're not going to do that. So they stood the ground because they believed in what God was capable of doing and accomplishing. Let me say another thing for you that are parents with younger children particularly. Sometimes we can look at around our culture and our world, particularly right now, and I say, oh man, our world is just really in the pits. It's not very good. It's not whatever. May I suggest to you that don't overlook the fact of who God is in the midst of your child's culture, your grandchild's culture. Listen, we've got 15 grandchildren in our family, and Kathy and me. And listen, I pray, and I pray a lot 
because that means some of them are in college right now or been in college. Some have gone through, some are in the Air Force, some are in various places right now, but there's about less than half of them now that are in school yet in regular either elementary or high school. And uh, they're walking through those things. And I begin to pray often, Lord, you preserve them. I'm reminded of Job who came along in chapter one of Job. It tells us there that he came along and he would offer sacrifices to God on behalf of his family. And his comment was, you can read it there, that he said in case when they were partying last night, they did or said something that was out of line with who God is. So I'm going to make this sacrifice before God to redeem the impact of those things. Can we pray that way? Can we stand on behalf of our children, grandchildren, and begin to say, no, not on my watch. That isn't going to be the impact or the outcome of who they become because of what the culture is around them. And I want to submit to you that I believe that's the concept for today of how we refuse the king's edict. Where we come along and say, Satan, no, you're not having my kids. No, you're not having my grandkids. I am holding on to them and I'm believing them to walk in the things of God. Even as God, you called me to do, so they will do as well in their lives. But you contend for that. You don't passively, well, I just hope so. No, you get on your face before God and you pray it. And believe God to begin to bring those things into being. I said, well, Gary, I've been praying. You know, I just, I get tired and blah, blah, blah. I understand that. But here's what I'm going to say, say to you. Pray anyway. Yeah. And when you're done praying, pray. Yeah. And when you're done praying, praying, pray. Yeah. Why? Because it works. Yeah. It works. Yeah. And your alternative is to simply passively give up and throw up your hand and say, well, there's just no good. It won't even happen. Well, then what are you doing? You're saying, Satan, you win. You get to do whatever you want to do with my kids and grandkids and all because I'm just tired of trying to contend for all of this to happen. Really? I know it's getting quieter in here. I understand. I want to leave you three things. Number one is if you've spoken negative things to other people, maybe to your children, and they've heard you. Pray. And then go to them and make it right. Now notice I very, very strongly included in there if they're aware of it. If it's been in your head the whole time and all, you don't have to go to somebody and say, I'm sorry, I really thought you were so stupid and ignorant and, and a, a total loser and all. I just want to apologize for thinking that way. You know, please. You'll complicate the whole thing a whole lot worse by doing that, you know. But if people are aware of it and you've spoken it out or said it in such a way they know, then you need to go deal with it. You do. In fact, the scripture, Jesus' teaching in in Matthew chapter 5 is in the fact saying, if you become aware of that while you're in church, leave church and go make it right. Strong stuff. Strong stuff. Number two, if you've not been speaking prophetically over your family, guess what? 
Start now. Again, don't wallow in, oh, what I haven't done. Start doing it now. Now, the devil loves for us to wallow in what I'm not, what I haven't done, what I should have done, and all that kind of stuff, and keep us there because we become ineffective. See? But when I start up and say, well, God, you gave me the right to do this. You gave me the authority to do it. You've given me your word, and I could declare your word over my family and over others in my life, and I'm going to start proclaiming what the word of God has to say. And believe for you to accomplish what your word says is truth. And begin to declare that over them. You can do this. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be all the, the right these and nows and whatevers and all. Just simply proclaim the word of God as you're reading through the Bible. And as God begins to quicken something in your heart and you're looking down here and say, Wow, Lord, that, that, that could apply into my family. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just begin to take that verse right now and I lift it up before you and I begin to speak that over my family. Those things will be accomplished in the name of Jesus. Okay, that took you, what, 15 seconds? You've got 15 seconds. It doesn't take a long time to do these kind of things, but it takes consistency and a believing that what you're doing will make a difference. And you'll see the power and grace of God accomplish it. And finally, this isn't a big deal, but I I just put together a handout uh, that the ushers will have for you. And it's simply some guidelines to help you in judging words that are either spoken to you and all that. And uh, they'll they'll be available for you you when you leave. You can pick those up. But I just want you to begin to offer something there just to help you. Understand, hey, how, how do I handle somebody comes up to me and they speak uh, something of God? I feel God's laid this on my heart to share with you. Okay, now what do I do with that? Well, that's what this, this paper just gives you some thoughts. So anyway, it's there. If you want it, great. I want to suggest you do this. <clears throat> Begin to pray up front for what we have just talked about or a need that you have. Pray. Our, our prayer team will be up here this morning and available. In fact, if those of you that are on part of the team there, if you want to come, feel free. I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm almost done. It'll take me two and a half minutes, okay? But uh, why do you come up here? Why should I have prayer? To simply have someone else stand in agreement with you to say, I know some things aren't what they should be in my life, and I want to change. And when you have somebody agree with you, then later on, when the devil comes back and says, well, how do you know that that worked? How do you know that that happened? Well, because Lisa agreed with me. Lisa prayed with me. Her kin stood with me. You know, and they began to stand, and I've got a witness to what I believe God is doing now in my life. That's why you have prayer. Not because they're more holy than you or more prayed up than you or whatever like that. They're standing in agreement with you. That's what they're doing. To believe for what God can do in your life. And for those of you that are streaming with us today in the service and you say, well, Gary, I'm not there. I can't get to the prayer team and all. But you've got a, a representative right now from the church right now that's online with you. And if you'll just jot in there and say, can the church be praying for me about this? Or 
Go to our website, find our Connect page, and you can write out your name and give us any information you want to for us to stand with you in prayer and believe for God to do something unique in your life. You can do this, and it can make a difference in your life and for everybody in the future. Seeing the impossible by the way of prophecy. There's a lot of impossibles, folks, that we have in front of us, but they're gonna happen because we base what we speak and what we declare upon God's word and begin to say them. I've often even turned to parents at times say, you know, well, my kids aren't real help on, on uh, me praying over them and that kind of stuff. Fine, wait till they go to sleep. Let's don't find the, the scapegoat here and find the way out so I don't have to do something. Find another way. Let the Holy Spirit help you be creative in what you're doing. And you begin to go in, and I've had parents do those kind of things. I've had parents even write out scriptures and put them inside the pillowcase of their child, believing for God to begin to release that over their life and power of God. There's a number of ways that you could do it, but begin to take the step toward it and believe for what God wants to accomplish and do. Let me say it again to you. There's power in your words. And please don't turn to me and try to tell me, well, Gary, I don't know all the Bible. Neither do I, okay? So we're on the same terms here. But I'm learning, and I hope you are too. Make your words count for good. And if you find you blow it, go to the person and deal with it. Don't let it linger. Deal with it. Don't wait. Well, I'm kind of embarrassed. I'm kind of... Shall I say it again to you? Stop it. Do what God says to do. And follow through with it. Declare the word of God over your family. Regularly and often, declare it over him. And the Holy Spirit's going to be there to help you. You can start today. Start today. Again, don't worry about what you haven't been or what you haven't done. Start today. Start today. Let's pray. Jesus, we open our hearts up to you. We come as simple people, Lord, that just present ourselves before your throne this morning believing that, God, you will take and accept us just like you did all the wonderful people in the scriptures recorded. God, some that, that really walked with you, God, and followed you and turned to you, and others that were less than followers of you in a variety of ways, and yet, Lord, you reached out to them and you loved them and you cared about them. Father, let there be filled in our hearts wherever needed a willingness to, Lord, to love those that are in our life. No matter how they may come across to us, Lord, help us love them. And let us take your word and begin to allow your word to fulfill what it was sent forth to do. And that was to minister life into people and hearts. God, may we use your word to speak life over our families. Lord, life over Santa Maria. Life over our neighborhood. Lord, life into that, that home that's our neighbor there that seems so cantankerous and difficult and what have you. Lord, let us speak life over those places. 
and believe your life is powerful enough to conquer death. That's there. Father, we humbly surrender ourselves before you today. And Lord, if any of us need to take the step of ensuring that our life is right with you, Lord, we take that step today as well and say, Jesus, be my Savior, be my Lord. Be that one that will guide my life throughout the rest of my life. Lord, you will come, you will forgive, and then you will guide and direct our steps. Lord, I thank you for Santa Maria Foursquare. I thank you for this congregation. Thank you for those that are joining us by way of live stream. And I ask your blessing of grace, your peace, your life, your love, and your presence to abide on them this day and each day. And I declare that, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen and amen. Amen. If you're here this morning and you would like prayer, feel free to come on up and just settle some things. It won't take long, but taking and settling something, a point of agreement as before you leave. And if you're here this morning as well, and you said, Gary, you know, I just opened up my heart to Jesus and I asked him to be my Savior and Lord, would you also come? Would you allow these dear people to pray with you and to believe for what God's going to do? Listen, we've got a great week ahead. We've got the Word of God. So we're set and ready to start today. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you.